Amen. God is good. I'm going to read some quick verses with you before you're seated. We're continuing on the talk on the hill. We've been talking about the apprentice. How many of you understand God has called you to discipleship? Now, again, I want to appreciate the parents if your kids begin to cry or act up or get restless or bounce rubber balls against the wall, which happened to me one time. (laughs) You're free to take them out. And the only reason I say that is because we're recording for radio and this mic picks up stuff. And unless you want your child's crying to go over the whole DFW Metroplex. And I appreciate your cooperation there. Now, we've been talking about the apprentice. How many of you understand he wants you to be a disciple if you're saved? God has called us to discipleship. I want to see God change your life. I want to see God be real to you every day. I want to see every one of you grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. I want to see you be able to look at the end of this year and say, wow, I grew spiritually. And it ought to be a a goal in your life that you're going to grow spiritually. And I believe that's why you're here. So remember we've been talking about things where you go, say what? Now I want you to try it with me. One, two, three. Because we're about to read a real say what. So when I'm done reading it, I want you to give me a big say what, because I think what we're about to read has driven a lot of people away from the prospects of walking with Christ. So let's read it. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye serves as a trap to ensnare you or as an occasion for you to stumble and sin. Pluck it out and throw it away. One, two, three. That's a big one. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be cast into hell. Gehenna. Now verse 30. And if your right hand serves as a trap to ensnare you or as an occasion for you to stumble and sin, cut it off. And cast it from you. (laughs) Really? It is better that you lose one of your members than that your entire body should be cast into hell. Father, I pray that you will help us to walk through these verses and understand what Jesus really said. Speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say what? You can be seated. Now, I'm going to call this message today, Eye Trouble, Eye Trouble. And I'm not talking about the personal pronoun I. I'm talking about E-Y-E trouble, Eye Trouble. Jesus has just addressed the problem of lust. And since he addressed it, I'm going to talk about it because I really do believe that the reason some people do not follow Jesus is because they misunderstand what he said. And the prospect of doing what he said seems impossible. So I just don't walk with him. I'm not going to follow him. Now I want you to follow me very carefully. I'm going to feed you the word of God today. And I want you to listen very carefully because I want this church to understand the Bible. And I want you to really understand the teachings of Jesus. Because that's why we're here. Amen? 
We're here because of Jesus. That's the only reason we're here. Now we've seen in this series, I've been talking to you about the apprentice or being a disciple of Christ for weeks and weeks now, a couple of months. And we sort of morphed into, from talking about being his disciple, which means to hear and to do, hearing and doing, you're not a disciple unless you hear, then go practice it. A disciple hears and then goes and does. That's a disciple. If you hear and don't do, Jesus gave us a guarantee that we would experience a crash in our life. Now, I've shared with you that we're great in America on teaching him as Savior, but we're not very strong on teaching him as teacher, my teacher in all things in life and living. Jesus is my chief teacher. He's my top guide in all things in life and living. And if you don't do what he said, you're wasting your time in Christian churches. Go hug a tree. Go become a Buddhist. Because if you don't do what he said, we're wasting our time. Why waste your time with it? Jesus not only came to save us, but he came to prepare us to live life in the now. It's not just by and by religion. It is here and now faith. Here and now living. Jesus warned that everybody who hears his sayings and does not put them into practice would experience a crash. We talked about soul crashes. You have a soul. And Jesus taught us how to take care of that soul. He said, if you don't do what I said, you'll have a crash. You'll still be saved, but your life will crash. It might be a moral collapse. It might be a financial crisis. A relationship came in. But Jesus said, the house of life falls. And he said, great is the fall of it. That's the stock he put in his teaching. He said, my teaching is so right on, so true, so accurate, so good, so worth listening to, that if you don't do it, you're going to experience a life crash. But if you do it, you will be indestructible. If you do it, though you go through hell and back, your house, your life, will withstand the storm, come out on the other side, shining. That's what he said. It's all right. So we, we want to look at what he actually did say, because my experience as a pastor and as a Christian for a very long time now is that we really don't understand what Jesus said. Go out and tell people what Jesus said, just some of his basic sayings. And you let people look at you like a deer stares at headlights. Did he really say that? It's terrible. And I blame some of it on the pulpit. We're giving three points in a poem, and we're not really going into the word of God with the people. Therefore, if you have an anemic pulpit, you have an anemic congregation. We need to hear the word of God. So we want to look at what he actually said. And the greatest consolidation or compilation of what Jesus said of his teachings is found in the Sermon on the Mount, or what we're calling the Talk on the Hill, and if you want to see the most expansive form of the Sermon on the Mount, it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you ought to know that. We ought to read the red. We ought to read the red ink. If anything else, we ought to know what the red says. Amen? 
Now, the talk on the hill, I want you to remind you now, the talk on the hill is like a ladder. Jesus sat down with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and it says he taught them, his disciples, them saying. And what Jesus did was he laid out a series of teachings that address all the issues that you and I face living on this planet, and it is like steps on a ladder. It begins with one issue, then goes to the next topic, then to the next topic, then to the next topic, until when you reach the top of the ladder, there's a beautiful, gorgeous, flowery meadow waiting for you. And it is the freedom in the Spirit that his teachings bring to us, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And it is the fullness of the character of Christ has been built in us if we put into practice what he said. The Sermon on the Mount or the Talk on the Hill is designed to build in you and me the character, the makeup, the likeness of Jesus. And it flows in a beautiful unity. One thing leading to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. The first thing he deals with, as I shared with you recently, is anger and contempt. Anger at people and how that grows into contempt if you don't deal with it. He didn't say anger was a sin. He said keeping it, harboring it, fellowshipping with it, feeding it is a sin because it grows into contempt and that contempt becomes bitterness And that bitterness defiles many and it destroys your walk with God. So Jesus dealt with anger first. The next thing he deals with is eye trouble. He goes from anger to lust. Now I want you to catch this. It's no wonder that he did because Jesus knows you and I inside out and he knows the problem of fallen people. And you know what the problem is? The problem is anger And lust are the two top ones that Jesus tackled. And no revelation to us. Read the paper. Read the crime that happens. Almost 99% of crime can be narrowed down to violence and sex. Violence and lust. So Jesus, right out of the chute, says, let me talk to you about your anger problem. Let me teach you how not to walk in anger, but to walk in the forgiveness of the kingdom because I want you to have a kingdom heart. And then let me take you on to the lust issue. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm fully aware that you're not going to jump up and shout me down on this one. (laughs) But I'm going to teach it because this is where we live. And Jesus knew that. And it's in the red ink. As we just read, Jesus opened up his discussion of lust by talking about adultery. And he quotes the Ten Commandments. He quotes Moses' commandment. He says, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time. That means the ancient prophets and Moses, the Old Testament. Thou shalt not commit adultery, the act. You shall not commit the act of adultery. But I say to you, and now he's going to take it to another level. Now, just so that we can understand each other today, adultery technically 
is sexual intercourse with somebody other than your spouse. That's adultery. Fornication, which is another term dealing with sexual sin. Fornication is sexual intercourse outside of or before you're married. Did you know that? So shacking up ain't something you ought to do. Because the Bible says fornication, fornication, which is as much a sin as adultery, is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. And the Bible is very, very clear that we're not to indulge in that. We're not to partake of that. So, but I love them. Can I tell you something? And this is free. This isn't in my notes at all. But let me tell you something. Love does not sanctify sin. Say, but I really love them, and I know we're going to be together. you know how many people say that? Do you know how many people go into that? But they never either, never, ever, never do end up married. Or they get married and wish, boy, I wish that we'd handle that a little bit differently. Now, I realize this is touchy, but I've got to come against what the culture is teaching you. The culture is lying to you. So Moses now, let's go back to the Old Testament. Moses dealt with the physical. He said, you shall not commit the act. You shall not commit the act of adultery. But Jesus took everything to another level, to a more profound level, to a a three-dimensional level, and he dealt with the heart. And Jesus said, but I'm going to change a little bit, or I'm going to add some depth and some width and some height to this whole issue of sexual sin." And I'm going to tell you that you're going to have to deal with your heart. Because if you harbor lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So rather than just saying, for instance, don't kill anybody, Jesus said, I want you to deal with the anger that leads to murder. Because if you don't deal with the anger, you're probably, you could end up killing somebody. And he said, instead of just dealing with the act of adultery or the act of sexual sin, I'm going to deal with what leads to it so that you can nip it in the bud, so that you can deal with it before it becomes an action that is sinful. So he said, you're going to have to deal with lust. He points out that just because you haven't committed the act of adultery doesn't mean that everything is healthy in the arena of your sexuality. Well, I haven't committed the act. I haven't committed adultery. Jesus said, you could still have a problem. We need to deal with our heart. Let me give you an example. Just because you haven't killed anybody doesn't mean you can't be angry. Anybody in here killed anybody? Come down to the altar afterwards and I'm going to pray with you. I want to meet you. But how many of you have ever been angry but not killed somebody? See, he's saying, I want to deal with the heart condition that leads to the act so that you don't fall in the act. I want to go to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is your heart. Now, here's what Jesus understood, and I want you to hear me very well now. Jesus understood that anger unchecked, anger unchecked will lead to some kind of outer manifestation. If you don't deal with the anger, it's going to affect 
actions. You may involve yourself in verbal murder, character assassination, physical abuse, or even outright murder. Go into the prison and just minister to the prisoners sometimes and say, how in the world did you end up killing somebody? They'll tell you, it began in here. I got offended, I got hurt, I got angry, and I didn't deal with it. And it festered, and it boiled, and it brewed, and I fellowshiped with it, and I thought about it, and I mulled over the actions that led to my anger. And the more I thought about it, the matter I got. And then it became contempt, and it went from contempt into, well, you know what, it's worth it to me to risk killing them. Same thing with lust. Lust unchecked will eventually lead to outer manifestations. Are you ready? Leering, ogling, undressing somebody with the eyes, verbal lust, saying things lustful, all the way down to either the act of fornication or the act of adultery. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, now if you don't hear this, if you don't put into practice what I'm teaching you, the house can fall, and it will fall in a moral collapse. Don't believe our culture that tells you, well, it's no big deal to lust. Everybody lusts. It's no big deal. It's cool. Just be normal. Be a normal human being. Can I tell you something? God did not create human beings to walk in lust. It ain't normal. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how in the world am I ever going to get out of that? Just hang with me for a second. In our day of equal rights, let me also be clear, in our day of equal rights among genders and, the, and along with the proliferation of pornography, the lust problem goes both ways. It goes men to women, it goes women toward men, and it goes same gender to same gender. Lust is universal. Lust affects or attacks everybody. And Jesus' message is of the person who feeds and cultivates lust, will not enjoy kingdom benefits. And that's the one thing that ought to motivate us to not want to walk in lust. I will not enjoy kingdom benefits. Now watch what it says about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. Can you say it with me, righteousness? Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. I think the order that the Holy Spirit put those in is intentional. Because when you have personal righteousness, when you're walking in the Word of God in personal righteousness, you have peace. And then when you've got peace with God, that is what brings joy. You will not have joy walking in lust. You will not have peace walking in lust. And you won't have personal righteousness walking in lust. Amen, Pastor Jeff preached. I'm going to get this CD. I know I'm going to have to amen myself some today. <laughs> I want to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God. And please understand, folks, that our world is built around lust. John said, all that is in the world, and then he summed it up, lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that says, I don't need God, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world passes away, and the lusts thereof. So we can know right now that walking in lust is not from the Father. 
It's not from the Father. And you're not going to hear this message in, all, in, in most churches in America anymore, and that's tragic because lust is consuming the body of Christ. And so we live in a lust-driven culture that encourages and entices and feeds and supports and justifies the practice of lust to our own undoing. I personally believe it is bringing America down. It's one of the things that's doing it. Unfortunately, as with many things Jesus said, his teachings that we just read, the one that's up there still, have been misunderstood. And I want you to hear me on this one. They've been misunderstood, and a lot of people are living under unnecessary condemnation because they have not understood what Jesus said. So I'm about to set some of you free. Amen. You can say amen and not feel bad about amen to me in this message. Let me just tell you what is normal. Are you ready? Sexual desire is normal. Most of you are here because of sex, right? And if you're not, I want to meet you too down here at the altar with the murderers. <laughs> you and the murderers, you come down here. I want to meet you. <laughs> Sexual desire is normal. God made us this way. I've always believed that the reason woman was called woman is when Adam saw her, he said, whoa, man. Hence, woman. I know that's bad. I'm just trying to lighten things up here. Uh, Jesus was not coming against you thinking somebody's physically attractive. To experience temptation is not wrong. Even Jesus was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. To find another person physically attractive is not wrong. And that is not what Jesus called adultery in the heart. To find somebody physically attractive is not wrong. Jesus was not condemning normal physical attraction. Uh, I read a story once. Two, two men were walking down a beach. One was much older. He was mentoring this younger man. They were both Christians. They were walking down a beach. And it was in the morning. They were out for a morning stroll. And they were talking about the things of God. And all of a sudden, walking towards them, comes this beautiful woman in a string bikini. Can't ignore it. It's just her and them. It's like trying to ignore a pink elephant walking your way. You can't look up at the seagulls and say, well, look at those birds. She's coming your way, and you're going her way. She passed. It was very quiet between the two. Finally, the older man said, my, didn't God do a good job? I want you to understand that here's one of the problems with these verses with a lot of people, and it's regrettable. Some translations, some Bible translations are not good ones when it translates these verses. Let me give you a bad one. Here's what one of the bad ones says. Everybody who looks at a woman and desires her has committed adultery already in his heart. Well, if I'm 21-year-old male and I read that, I say, forget it. I can't walk with Jesus. Because he just said, 
if I look at a woman and I think she's desirable. So all I can do is go to the top of a mountain, move into a cave with a bunch of monks, and never look again. I want you to notice that Jesus did not say, whoever looks on a woman has committed adultery. He said, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her. And in our day of equal rights, a female, whoever looks on a man to lust after him. That's when the adultery enters in. Now let me expand on this. Jesus was addressing intent. He was addressing this attitude. I, if I could, I would. He was addressing intent. The sexual desire Jesus is talking about is something that somebody embraces, indulges, feeds, fantasizes about, and entertains consistently. The same way you, you feed anger, thinking about it, fellowshipping with it, going over it over and over again until finally it becomes contempt. Jesus was talking about the purposeful entertaining and indulging and stimulation of desire. It means you are feeding lust. Let me say it another way. He's discussing, he's targeting the purposeful, repetitive, fantasizing over another person. And Jesus said, as that goes on, that's when it becomes adultery in the heart. That's when you got to deal with it because that's what leads to action. You know, Kathy and I, we were on vacation a number of years ago. And I'm going to tell you a tough story. But I, I just want to say it because it's always spoken to me. We were on vacation and we turned on the newscast. And when we turned on the news, it was a terrible story. The, these kids in Florida had uh, lived near a body of water. And they were, they were uh, every day they would walk a certain place where there were little baby crocodiles little baby alligators. And so they would take these alligators right, and, and, and when they were little babies and they thought they were cute and they would feed them. And every day they walked by, they fed these alligators. Every day they walked by, they fed them. And the alligators grew. They still thought they were cute. They grew more. They still thought they were cute. And to them, they were just these little buddies they'd known since they were little tiny alligators. But they grew and they grew and they grew. One day they walked by and one of the little girls, she tossed something his way, and in a flash, he lunged at her, got her, took her underwater, and she perished. Terrible story. It took me days to shake it, but let me tell you what I get out of it. Jesus is saying, I'm not telling you this to be a party pooper. I'm not telling you this to take the fun out of life. I'm not telling you this so you'll be straight-laced and have no fun. I am telling you, don't feed the gator. Because here's the message, it'll grow and it'll grow. And that spirit of indulging lust will grow until what you thought was cute and harmless and would never really affect your life because after all, you're not really doing anything. You're just thinking it. But if you're feeding it, it's going to grow and it's going to grow. And I promise you, according to the teachings of Jesus Christ, one day it will lunge 
and grab you and take you down and you'll have a collapse. And Jesus said, I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't want to see that happen to you. Now, what is Jesus' answer to the lust problem? Let me quickly tell you what it is. How do I get out of a spirit of lust? How do I get out of, uh, of what you have just said? If I'm not supposed to do it, then how do I get out of it? Jesus said, first of all, you've got to realize where it comes from. It is not an action problem. It is a heart problem. Jesus said, from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, lying, slander, the envious glare, the lustful stare, deceit, and foolishness. All of these evils come from inside and pollute the person. It is not an action problem. You are not dealing with action. You're dealing with a heart condition. And Jesus came. I've got good news for you to change your heart. Well, so how does he change my heart? By spiritual growth. Most problems are not solved by figuring something out. Most problems are solved by spiritual growth. For instance, as you grow in the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, against these there is no law. Let's just take love. As you grow in love, that's why I'm telling you, follow Jesus. Get into his teachings. Get into the Word. Follow him. Apply what he said. Because if you do, you're going to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And as love grows, here's what love will not do. Love will not use, it will not abuse, it will not misuse, it will not hurt another person like lust does. Love wants the best for them and love will never take advantage of anyone. So you know what happens as you grow in the fruit of the Spirit? It crowds out these fleshly habits. Just crowds them out. Hey, there ain't room for both of us in here. One of you has got to go. So everybody say crowded out by spiritual growth. And then finally, you got to be preemptive in the battle with lust. Preemptive. It is not if you encounter lustful situations, sights, sounds, or opportunities. It's when, guaranteed in this culture. You've got to be preemptive with it. You've got to have prepared ahead of time for the battle. Because I want you to say with me, the battle's coming. To every one of you, it's going to come. you got to be preemptive. you got to be prepared. And this is the way that Job lived. And I'm going to tell you two things Job did quickly as we close. Job fully understood this battle. Believe it or not, the oldest book in the Bible, that ancient dude named Job, had it together when it came to this. Here's what he said. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look intently or gaze or ogle longingly upon a young woman. I made a covenant with my eyes. I talk to my eyes. That's what he's saying. He says, eyes, I'm not going to feed lust by indulging you in it. Me and my eyes, we've got an understanding Amen, Pastor Jeff. Preach it, brother. All right. How many of you have ever talked to your eyes? 
Well, go out of here and say he talked to murderers and he talked to people who thought they weren't here from sex and he also talked to people about talking to their eyes. And they'll all come next week to see what I look like. <laughs> Talk to your eyes and say, let's, let's make a covenant. I'm not going to use you to indulge lust. I'm not going to feed the gator. I'm not going to feed the gator. I'm not going to feed the gator. I'm not feeding the gator. Well, that gator really complains if I don't feed him. Ignore him long enough, he'll croak and die. Hallelujah. And Job understood. If I indulge lust, he said, he lays out the reasons for this. He lays out the reasons for why he covenanted with his eyes. He said, lustful eyes will lead you to step out of the path of righteousness every time. Listen to what he wrote. If my step, if my step, my footsteps, if my direction in life has turned from the way or my heart walked after my eyes. Now, here's the bottom line truth. Show me where your heart is and I'll show you where your eyes are and I'll also show you where your feet are walking. Because the heart controls the eyes and what they look at and the feet and where they go. Amen? So you want to take care of where your feet are going and where your eyes are looking, take care of your heart. And Job said, I'm not going to feed, I'm not going to indulge lust with my eyes. I'm not going to feed the gator because I know enough to know that gator will get too big someday and bite me and kill me. This is good stuff. Oh, I hope you listen to this. This is good stuff. It'll save you many a tear. Teenagers, I hope you listen to this. I don't care if the whole world tells you that that Christianity stuff is a bunch of baloney. I'm telling you, you walk with God and you will never regret it. Job's commitment was to have an established practice of not engaging his body, his thoughts, his imaginations, or his activities in feeding or entertaining sexual lust. So let me close. Let's stand together, can we? Let me close with this. I'm going to recap this, and I want you to go and see law this. So, pastor, has got to be more complicated. I'm a sexual addict. I'm hooked on things of a sexual nature, and I know they're wrong. You've got to start somewhere. And I'm going to tell you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if it's acting out or if it's thinking, if there's habits, it is not, even Paul admitted, I was filled at one point in my life with all manner of concupiscence, which is a real fancy word for lust. Paul. No. You're not supposed to not notice that somebody's attractive, but you can and should do away with lust. There's nothing wrong with sexual desire. It's not a sin to be tempted. Adultery in the heart is when you purposefully entertain and feed fantasies of another person you're not married to. Lust is a heart issue, not action. Well, what about the part 
where he said, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye. I personally believe Jesus was stating an absurdity to make a point. Let's face it, if he meant it, we'd all get into heaven. No hands, no feet, no eyes, no tongue. (laughs) That is not what he meant. He was saying, go ahead and do that. It won't get rid of lust. You've got to deal with your heart. Winning the battle requires preemptive, being preemptive by establishing the practice of disciplining the eye gate, the ear gate, and the fantasy gate. Jesus said, blessed are those that keep their hearts pure, for they shall see God. Father, I thank you right now for your blessing today. I thank you, Lord, for your word that has been misunderstood. I pray we understand it now. Lord, thank you for the freedom to appreciate beauty, to appreciate attractiveness, and not lust. Thank you, Lord, that you came to set our hearts free. Now, I want to, while our heads are bowed, I'm not going to give an invitation with this, but where you're standing, and those of you listening by radio, if lust is running a number on you, bringing destruction to you, if the gator has grown and now you're being consumed, I want you to give it to God and say, Lord, set me free. Set my heart free. In Jesus' name. And while we worship, I want you to take a moment to pray. I want you to do it right now, right where you stand. And don't leave lust active in your life. Wage war on it, declare war on it, and deal with it. In Jesus' name. Let's sing, Jeff.